Okay, people, welcome back. Let's get into part two. It is myself and uh, Matt House. And um, yeah, welcome to our look back at 2020. Enjoy, people. It's an odd one. Okay, people, welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. And, um, you know, like with um, some of the other podcasts, we're doing a little bit of a look back at 2020, right? Because, hey, even though the cinemas have been shut for pretty much three quarters of the year, films still came out. So, I'm here today with creative guru, (laughs) 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 director, and crazy. (laughs) This is already unreliable. (laughs) (laughs) It is uh, Matt Hulse. Yeah, it is. Echo, Welcome. echo, echo, echo. echo. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. What, what is it? It's the 29th of March, 1973. So things are fantastic. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> oh, dear. So uh, Father Christmas was good to you this year? Um, I actually I shut all my windows. He couldn't get in. And there's no chimney, so he he uh, the, the neighbours got my helping. <laughs> that is, that is good. I've never yeah, no, I, I, it, it was good. I'm trying to. Uh, well, one of the the presents I got, which um, I was very happy with, was um, I was bemoaning to to my German pen pal Julia. I was bemoaning the fact that I'd lost this little book in in this this last eight years of moving around and being chaotic i lost this little book that i'd studied at school german book called tonio kruger by thomas mann and it had this particular edition had this beautiful illustrated cover and i was moaning about this to her and then she very sweetly went and found a copy and mailed it over and arrived in time so that was a a lovely lovely gift to have now did she find a copy or had she pilfered your original copy? Oh. Yes. Oh, no. Pilfered her into returning the book that she stole. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that pen pal's going to the penitentiary. <laughs> Another crime sold. <laughs> yes. the Kevin Scott Detective Agency is on the ball. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So, um, you know, you had a uh, a film out this year. Yeah, I did. I had a film called um, Sound for the Future, which was a kind of, I think it was a kind of sci-fi project, where, um. Earth receives a, a bleeping signal, and, and they reckon that it's probably from a couple of millennia in the future. And so the film is this really intricate 
quasi-scientific uh, journey through studies of, of signals and amplitude and modulations and all of that it's quite hard going because the sound is, is is very abrasive throughout it's just like bleeps and blops and loops and things um yeah and it stars kevin spacey he's uh he plays a sort of affable bit haphazard um captain of, of the space station um and it's not if not his best role i think he might be a little bit down on his luck but so we managed to get him cheap um basically he did it for burgers and and it was um a huge, a huge flop yeah a commercial disaster um didn't want to say anything i mean people i think people did describe it as if cloverfield kind of ran over et yeah that's a mess yes thanks <laughs> i mean even i only gave it three out of ten <laughs> We did savage it on the podcast. I apologise. Yeah, yeah. My, my my dad has disinherited me. It's it's been a disaster <laughs> for the family, and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't have any friends anymore, and, and even my dog left. <laughs> Sooty. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perils of uh, creating. I, I being being a creative guru, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm right on the, I'm on the bleeding edge of failure. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. But you know, there's there's been a lot come out this year, right? So um, yeah, I, I kind of feel that hey, <clears throat> the streaming services that Hollywood kind of de, de, you know decried called foul upon in previous years have pretty much kept us going yeah they've they've swept the board haven't they i mean there's all this conspiracy about you know china putting i don't know uh, microchips inside vaccines i mean if if really it you know this this whole covid thing is 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 fully in the interest of netflix because it, it, we're all forced to stay indoors <laughs> So, you know, the, the, the conspiracy theorists have got it all wrong. They've got the wrong targets. Although, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's done much for HBO Max. They seem to be doing very poorly on the uh, subscription front, if we're uh, led to believe anything. What do, I don't know then. What, what, what does HBO Max, what's their, what's their um, USP? Oh, they're all Warner Brothers. Yeah. Oh, so just exclusively Warner Brothers produced, like um, yeah, like it's owned by Warner Media, right? Owned by Time Media, so yeah, they've got all the um, Warner Brothers films. Um, hmm, I forget who else, but they, they, you know, they have stuff like you know on TV show front, like Friends and Big Bang Theory and that kind of gumph. That that's what appears on there. So um, yeah, stuff like Batman, you know, all like the DC comic stuff, you know, that kind of fair. That will be on HBO, and now HBO Max. Max, blimey. 
Yes. That's the, um, they, they may be um, maybe a problem in the title there. Maybe people are expecting too, too much. <laughs> well, they, they, they did, you know, all their films now are going to be coming out um, day and day release. So they're hitting the cinema and they'll be available for a month on HBO Max. Right and Christopher Nolan and a whole heap of other people are not happy. Right. Yes. Was Christopher Nolan, he was, um, isn't he the child of one of the Nolans? Um, sort of 70s disco pop band. He's the, um, gosh, I, I mean, not the child of, I believe there he's aunts oh that so he's got oh it's one of those kind of extended family scenarios yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They, they were maybe his like like wetness to him uh, possibly yeah i would explain explain quite a lot this sort of films about multiple versions it's a multiple aunties multiple wetnesses poor guys he's probably a bit been a bit you know troubled by that i would have thought well yeah because you know i mean you can imagine that milk they, it, it, it's probably it's probably at the powdered stage. Yeah, I'm sure they're not the freshest others. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it could have twisted some viewpoints. And apparently, apparently, the the original the original working title for Memento was Memento, and it's <laughs> going to be more about his his, his distance from his mother. <laughs> With the aunties playing his mother in turn, in the same you know the same costume, so it was a sort of uh, re repeating nightmare. Mm. Yeah, this kind of Oedipal thing. Yes, and, um, but going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it seemed to work. Yeah, seemed to work. They they pull, they pulled it off. It's definitely one of the better Nolan films. Yeah, he did a did a decent job with that one. He, he did. Thanks to his aunties. Come on, let's say for the aunties. Woo! <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> so um look, I was looking at Empire, right? Empire put out their top twenty films of twenty twenty. Good and, for them. Um, yeah, they've got some interesting entries on here. They, um, they've got the, uh, the Five Bloods, which was one of, you know, it's a new Spike Lee joint and one of Chadwick Boson's last films. Did you yeah. have on that? Yes, I, I saw, saw most of, most of that. I can't, I was interrupted. Um... You know, I had one of those those annoying calls from some bogus uh, call centre. You know, where where you pick you pick up and there's this gap, and then it goes, "Hello." So I was sort of you know getting try, trying to still figure out the the, the plot because as, as I recall, um, there are five plots on there that that interweave. Um, 
the five the five gangs um and so it's this kind of epic um journey through through the struggles between these different different gangs um and i'm not i'm not great on plot so i, I struggle i all the way through films i i'm there thinking hang on a second but didn't he just uh, and um the five bloods really confused me on on that that basis alone um yeah spike lee the the he you know he had a bit of an influence on me actually whether she's got to have it when that came out this kind of very um direct punchy like quite brazen to camera mm. uh filmmaking style i really liked a lot um and it and i remember seeing it and thinking ah oh, man it's just a case of getting people are really up for it interesting characters that can perform to camera and then just filming them <laughs> um and i thought that he'd lost that 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 quality with the five bloods by choosing to represent the five bloods as um abstracted cgi forms so you you've got these kind of weird scenes with these these blobs like jelly beans are kind of drifting in and out of the space and even though it's exciting because of the violence and the tension and the drama and, and the story it just stretches the credibility somewhat when it's these sort of amorphous avocado pear-like shapes drifting through nebulous space and time didn't work for me in the end it of the was a bold move it, it was but, a but yeah spike likes to uh you know he likes to take things in a different direction. You know, he likes to buck the norm, as it were. And it's I true, it's true. Certainly, certainly memorable. I mean, I, I'd had quite a bad night's sleep and I was in some ways quite glad for the interruption from the call center. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean you to see what Spike does next. I yeah, I mean, I would have summed up as like sort of, like, Barber Papa meets, um, what was that film once upon a time in the wild west or whatever it was called it was sort of somewhere in between the, those things a bit of moomin bit of moomin vibe as well hmm yeah yeah well i feel our um you know a next film yeah it, it was kind of a 180 from that we had uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood Ah, uh, now I really, really like this one. It's a very um, perfectly crafted, small scale. You know, you know how Proust took the, 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 his bite into his Madeleine, and then he spun out this whole um, opus from it. It's a bit, it's a bit like that, but um, in uh, the hill town in, in Dundee. So that's that's the neighbourhood they they focused on, and then what they decided to do, which was a very rigorous artistic decision, was to um, focus exclusively uh, on one, not only not just on one household, um, but one room in that household, and not only just one room, just one wall, and taking it even further, just one section of the wall. And um, the way they tell the story is 
it's progressively graffitied on in in what looks like like blue by cheap blue biro and essentially that's how they tell the story so it's a kind of animation um, there's a lot of local voices in there from Dundee, the Hiltoon voices talking about the weather, what's going down at the market, who's been around whose house for pizza, you know, whose turn it is to make the cake. Um, there's a little, there's a few references to William McGonagall, the silvery tay and all that. And, uh, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't sound on the face of it like a particularly um, thrilling watch, does it? But <laughs> you'd be amazed how much fun there is to be had in watching ballpoint pen reminiscence. Like and internationally, though, it did kind of flop because that accident, 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 it's a bit of a struggle. It's a bit of a struggle, you know? It's, it's true, and they also, I mean, obviously they needed to subtitle it for the international audience, but they took the weirdest decision, which was to subtitle it in Bulgarian exclusively, which is really narrowing your, your audience down. But I guess if, you know, the thing is the people ask me as a filmmaker often is like, who is your audience? They obviously decided our audience is people in Bulgaria or, or Bel Bulgarian diaspora, um, who have a connection with that street in Dundee. That, that's the audience they went for, and they, yeah. they damn well got them. Well, I mean, it was the biggest film in Bulgaria this year, so, you know, I mean, they, they did pick well. Biggest as in, like, 4K or...? No, they just had this really huge screen. And oh, it was the biggest screen in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, see, I, I only know them for their country wine and um, Evo Papasov jazz folk, crazy jazz folk band. And, um, and I have one Bulgarian friend who, who uh, oddly enough, I met in Dundee. So there is, there is some <laughs> connections. Um, and yeah, I didn't know they had that massive screen. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they got into the Guinness Book of... Uh, well, I mean, they would have gotten into the Guinness Book of World Records. But, unfortunately, the chap from the records didn't speak Bulgarian. So he didn't oh. understand the request. And it all fell a bit sideways. You know? Yeah. What was but, he called? Yeah. Norris McWhirly Bird or something, wasn't he? Something like that. But yeah, no, it was a huge, huge screen. Huge screen. Wow. But yeah. I guess there's not much use for it now. They'll probably just use it to wrap up freight. You know, there's those flapping things that they wrap freight haulage up with that say things like, what's he, what's he called? The, the, the famous East German um, haulier. What's his name? Anyway, that guy, that guy, it'll come to me, it'll come to me. <laughs> Otto Fritz, or whatever he's called. No? I'll, look, I'll look that up later, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, feedback to us with that one. Um, yeah. So, at number 15, Empire have I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is, uh, you know, the Charlie Kaufman adaptation of um, that Ian Reid novel, you know, that popular Ian Reid book. 
of the yeah. subtitle. Well, this this is another one of these. Um, it's been a year of high concept films, hasn't it? Um, and this this I I liked it. Has we're talking of of, of the Nolan's uh, nephew Christopher um, and his complex constructions. This is this had a similar thing with there were um, there was many strands the, the the things that he's thinking of ending. Um, uh, uh, the, they're the, 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 his attempt to end the things is the starting point and then we work backwards from there. Um, and this particular character played um, by, do you remember Peter Duncan? Probably Peter? Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, so yes, he, he had a very interesting casting um, but he, and he's unrecognisable because um, uh, there's there's quite a lot of stress involved in in what he's these things he's he's trying to end, um, and you're never exactly clear what they are. But my guess, I mean, everyone came out came away from the film, took something different, and had a different theory on it, which is a sign of a good film, or the sign of a really bad film. Um, in this case, I think it was a sign of a good film, um, and it looked to me like he was trying to construct. Um, a, a scale model of the Eiffel Tower from um, matchsticks. Oh, no, um, no, no, no. One, so no, that no. Was one you, of the you, things he was trying to end was just complete this model and then go, ba ba ba. So you start no, with. No, 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 you missed the point, man. No, no, oh, no. Okay. That was. That, God damn it, man. I thought you. I thought you would have been one of the people to understand this film. The, 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 no, the matchsticks The matchsticks represented like womanhood. He was looking to end feminism. That oh. was the whole point of the film. Wow, that went right? totally over my head. Deconstructing mankind and saying, "What the fuck's up with feminism?" Like what? What? What is this? That—that uh, that, that was the whole point of the film. That's what he was looking at in these different guises and. Uh, and see, so, so the, the matches, in a sense, they're, they're like a metaphor for like spare ribs and the Adam Eve thing, and that's why it's going backwards because we're going backwards through time towards you know the the the, the Eden story. Um, no, Matt. No? What are you doing? Still wrong. Yeah, jeez. It's like this film has gone completely over your head. No, the match is the female spirit, right? It uh, burns out very quickly. That's what he's saying. It doesn't last long. You know, they, they start off in this big, this big flame and then it's all done. It's all done. So he's saying it's, it's pointless. It's worthless. Yeah, that, that's what... Ah, uh, and that, 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 then that may explain the scene. Do you remember the scene with where he places the three, puts two matches in the end of the matchbox, the heads together, and then he leans a third one against them. So it's a kind of a tripod, and he lights it, and the the, the free one that's outside the box just sort of slowly comes up as a, a erect essentially. And that I think is a reference to a little game that kids used to play in, in the playground called Grandad's Erection. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I got something right, at least. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, I need to have another another look at this. Yeah, I think you need to rewatch that film because I think it was pretty clear what was going on. I, I, yeah, it baffles me. How well, that, that just goes to show, doesn't it? I mean, people talk about you know knowing your audience, but you've got some dullard in there like me. I mean, it can completely miss fire. True. Very, very, very true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, a bit I'm glad we didn't clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Sam Mendes, he he, you know, he hit the um, hit the year with he he's huge, huge film, 1917. Um, I'd rather not talk about that one. I mean, yeah, I I, I can understand why. I can definitely understand why. Yeah, it was it was decisive, but um, all right. Let it, us. It, it, well, I, I'll I'll fess up. It's a personal thing. It's every time I go to a, a pub in North London, or when when it was still possible, bloody Sam Mendes was always there in front of me at the bar, ordering chili peanuts, this and that, gherkins, fancy stuff, loads of gin and tonic. All I wanted was a simple pint of pale ale and he was just holding up the bar on every occasion. And um, I know it sounds daft and, and a little selfish, but I, 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 I dislike him intensely because of this kind of behavior. Hmm, I mean, he, he always seemed like a, a lovely guy to me, but yeah, you know, like you don't always know someone unless you, you know, really hang out with them in their, uh, yeah, their home environment. So yeah, and and, and you know, he, he seems like a lovely guy, but this is actor turned director, so he can seem like anything he wants to be. Uh, I see. Yes. Old Sammy Boy the Chameleon. Interesting. Interesting. You're speaking Italian? Uh, you know, I dabble. I dabble. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's a very, very nice man. But um, yeah, he should get out of my way when I need my ale. Mm, yes. Truer words have never been spoken. Okay. All right. Let's hit number 10. Woo, Empire good. have a Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit? Yup. You mean Jojo Rabbit? Yeah. The, the musical? Yes. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit. I, I really like this. I'm very fond of um, uh, musicals. And, um, you know, this the, 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 fact, the very fact I say that has put me at odds with the... the uh, <clears throat> very uh, po-faced art world. Um, you like musicals? Yeah, I love musicals, but I do, I do, I love musicals. And Jojo Rabbit is one of those great ones. It's not, you know, it's not going to kind of change the world, but it's it's um, good family entertainment. It works on that level where there's, there's, there's jokes in there for the grown-ups and some for the kids and it's mercifully free of lego and um 
Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. You may laugh, but the thing with Lego, if you stand on it, it bloody hurts, doesn't it? Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, jo I, I like this jo Jojo Rabbit character. I wasn't, I was, I was a little bit uncomfortable about the kind of, um, this, yet again, this sort of stereotyping of Mexicans. But uh, I can forgive that. Um, for the great songs. Um, he, he wasn't actually um, Mexican. He was Ecuadorian. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sophisticated enough to know the difference. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 the, it's the curling of the vowels that oh. kind of goes the way. Yeah, yeah. I see. You see, see I mean, I, for me, it's all Speedy Gonzalez and everything and, and Spaghetti Westerns. And Spaghetti Westerns, of course, were famously dubbed over by people pretending to be Mexicans or whatever. So um, it's, it's difficult to, to have a solid sense of what a, a Mexican is, um, let alone an Ecuadorian. Um, you know, for me, it's just all, all this one apparently very beautiful strip of land with, with pyramids, gold and Indiana Jones running around it is, is my basic impression. I mean, I guess that's, you know, just one interpretation of it, you know, I, I, I kind of feel that, um, yeah, you know, in today's world, it's interesting you said Indiana Jones. I, you know, I think a load of people would have said Lara Croft, but um, yeah, it's funny, funny how you went in that direction, Matthew. Yeah, well, I, I used to have quite a big uh, crush on um, Indiana Jones um, until, until Lara Croft came along and, and blasted off, off my manhood with um, her, her powerful retro-futuristic laser beam. Yeah, I think she did that to many, many young chap, you know? <laughs> And it really, it really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Riot girl. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh dear. Well, at number nine, Empire Mank. Number yeah, nine. A later entry um, in the year, but yeah. A solid Sorry. one. Sorry, I missed the title there for number nine. Mank. Mank. Yes, the new David Fincher feature. Mank. You see, I would pronounce that Mance. You know what? I'm not entirely sure about the spelling of the title. I I I miss the the blurb and stuff about it. Was it M A N C or M A N K or M A N Q E? Or M A N C K. It was M A N K. Mank. Oh, okay. That that makes makes things a little bit bit different. Yeah. You see, I I I I thought the premise of this this film was. Um, I mean, you, you. I mean, you're gonna know where I'm going with this. Was um, a guy. A man, you know, from Manchester, and um, 
that was the prism through which I saw it. Plus, my my mother's from Manchester, so I had some emotional connections with it, and I looked at the the, the whole the whole story th through that that um, particular grey, rainy prism with with the sort of echo of Joy Division and certain ratio and the Smiths and um, even um, 10CC, of course, who had, had their, their studio down the road. Um, so that's rather ruined it for me because I, I took, that's what I took away from the film. And, 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 and now I, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, I would say they, they, David Fincher has been incredibly ham-fisted and uh, totally missed, missed an open time. Well, I, I, I do believe the, the thinking of the film was to take a quintessential Manchester aesthetic and then superimpose it on a, a, a you know, a, a California, you know, vista. Oh, which is yeah. effectively what Morrissey did, didn't he, by moving out there? I, I, he imposed I, himself on the vista. Yeah. Well, that's quite an interesting exercise because you know I suppose that, that is is a reflection of emigration and you know, um, and you know because I because I'm um, when I'm not busily making sci-fi movies, I, I I'm a tap dancer, and of course the origins of um, tap are, are purely American, and uh, it's a combination of the recently uh, liberated slaves the uh, irish immigrants and also um english club dancers from lancashire which um some of those would have would have uh, come from manchester i'm sure so you know the the perhaps fincher saw in in california the sort of yeah this kind of mancunian influence this some infusion of the northwest of england in in that that beautiful in that Buena Vista, um, yeah. I mean, do, do you think he pulled it? Oh, um, I, I I think there were definitely moments of genius there, for sure. You know, it, it, there's points where um, I, I I think it was hard to get over, you know some of the the typical Manchester kind of leanings as it mm -hmm. were you know well, yeah, like you, you had um you know a guy walk into a bagel shop and be like um oh all right mate uh some you know just give me some scampi and he didn't like right you're just like oh I'm not sure this yeah, is that, that's an awkward uh collision isn't it i mean how yeah. that's that's a diff difficult one to pull off um yeah and i thought i thought i i however that scene within the um diner where sean Ryder is in, is in the kitchen doing the ham on rye and all that he was he was brilliant i mean that 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 mr mr sean ryder has got a future in uh, hollywood for sure with his strange gaunt cheeks and Googly eyes, um, and his slightly brutish, 
brutish manner. Um, I think, by all accounts, he's a very gentle, 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 gentleman. Um, plays the tuba, apparently. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it does open up a different side of Mr. Ryder, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they should have had... But what's the... Yeah, you know, the guy, the, dan the dancing guy, what was he called? Big Bean, and that's train spotting, isn't it? What, you know the Happy Manners was a guy that just did dancing and playing maracas. Was it Fez? Fez. 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 They should have had Bez in it. No, I, there was a pay dispute. Oh. Yeah. He 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 wanted uh, like on top of his money, he wanted a bacon sandwich every morning, and they were just like, eh, you know. Mm. It's going to stink out the place. And he was just, you know. Yeah. Well, well, fair enough. I mean, in, everything's got to be done at two meters distance as well. So that's a lot of arms shame to pass the bacon sandwich across the void of the two meters. Although, you know, American imperial measure, what is it? 6.6 .6 feet, something like that. Um, times are tough. Yeah. Bears got to get really sticky. Yeah, I think he's probably kicking himself that he um, missed the opportunity. But, you know, that's what happens, right? You've got to seize the day at some, at some point, you know? It's not always going to line up how you envision it in your head. Yeah. It's true. I, I thought the, the soundtrack was good. I mean, the, the, that's where uh, Fincher made good decisions. The, the music, you know, that translates, transports well to the Buena Vista, um, quite, quite, uh, in combinations with the Girati Vinny really beautiful playing over Park and so on, that, that works really well. Yeah, it was interesting having the Bee Gees do some dubstep, I mean, that's, that could have been the highlight of that soundtrack. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, but you know what's weird, Kevin? I th I thought that was where I I didn't I wasn't particularly taken aback by that because I thought that was where they'd kind of gone anyway, or I just assumed that's where they'd gone, and I took it um as red. But is are you saying that's like a bit of a change of style for them? Well, I I think they just. Yeah, I mean, they came at it in a, a different way to some of their more recent collaborations, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah I just thought they, um, yeah, they really kind of stretched themselves on this one. It was good. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Um, as I have a good hair as well. On the Bee Gees, the remaining Bee Gees. Hmm. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So <laughs> let's um, let's now jump to the lighthouse. The lighthouse. Yeah. I've, 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 I've got to confess, I, I didn't see this one. Ah. Uh. 
Um, but I heard a lot about it, and I, I'm one of those. I sh shouldn't say this kind of thing, but I'm one of those people. You know, in, in, in this interest of self-preservation, I shouldn't say these kind of things. But I'm one of those people that knows a little bit about a lot of things. Um, and so I know a little bit about the lighthouse, and uh, by all accounts, it's two men with pre-existing relationship issues stuck in a phallus for months on end getting drunk and uh, you know from minute one it's all going to end in disaster but there's a twist and uh, having not seen it I don't know what the twist is but I imagine there is a twist Possibly involving fish, a gun, and an accordion with several missing keys. Now, the letters of the keys, the notes of the keys, spell out a certain crucial piece of information um, which leads to a vicious arm wrestling denouement in which one man's arm is actually torn from his body and that's the end but i i, I obviously i'm inventing the last bit because I, I haven't seen the film so something like that this is this is what i'm guessing just just picking up from what people have said it is is kind of like that but the the really the end is it's a crazy one right because I mean, there's this whole thing about, you know, the lighthouse, it can never go out. And then when the light goes out and they're trying to fix it and they can't, you know, like we don't have the parts and, you know, they're blaming each other because, you know, it was his job to repair it. And, you know, it, it was all of this. And then at the very end, just the plug was out. That was it. The plug was out. Right. So, all they had to do is put the plug back in, the light works, and um, everything would have been fine. Everything went back to normal, and they all, they all suddenly were sober and had dry clothes and no sweat, and were sitting there reading The Guardian. Yeah. yeah it, it was kind of one of those kind of, uh, what would have happened if? Yeah. You know? <laughs> A fever dream. If, it's funny as it's like, if only I'd check the plug, Michael. <laughs> um, now, there's a link there to the, we were talking earlier, and at some, some length I was happy to, to, to do so as well about Ma Manchester influence upon the world, which is, is massive. And um, there's, the, there's, of course, the, uh, there is a light that never goes out. Song by Morrissey, which they use in the end credit. I don't know if you remember. Oh, very smooth. Very, very smooth, Matthew. I do like yeah. your reference. Well, I, 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 oh, we have some sound issues um, and so on. Or ah. Hello, hello. I have it says here your internet connection is unstable. That means me, I assume. 
Yes, we did lose you for a few seconds there. Oh my god, you lost some gold. Yeah. All, that could have been the bit that got you the gram Emmy, Grammy, Whammy. <laughs> Indeed. Um now, I, I definitely feel this film, yeah, needs a mention. Mm-hmm. It was um, you know, the Saddy Brothers. Their collaboration with Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. It dropped at the beginning of the year, but uh, I feel it was a, a memorable addition, film-wise. Yeah, I, I, I call them Sado Brothers. Frankly, I, I, I thought this was um, Adam Swindler and the Sado Brothers. I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I mean, there's been a trend to 2020. This kind of juvenile, uh, backward look. Even my film had had some of these problems. Um, sort of. I suppose it's because of the pandemic. People are going back to sort of play, cozy places, things that make them feel better, like sitting in bed eating. You know. I laugh, but it's a tragedy that eating custard out of a tin with a rusty spoon. Because it makes them feel better, and um, you know, stuck in the edge of a teddy bear's ear, that kind of thing. And uncut gems is just just an indulgence in that. Um, what people may not realise if they've not seen the film, the gems that they refer to are those mini gems, those biscuits. I mean, they are tasty. They are tasty, but I mean, to yeah. base a whole three hundred and forty-seven minute feature film on it, I mean, and then also they're uncut, so they're just. There, they're just gems, and they look beautiful. And there's, a, I, you know, there's what there's four or five colours probably. Um, the colours have diminished a bit since the seventies because of you know the the banning of um, artificial colourants. But happily, Brexit will reverse that, and our, our our gems will be springing back delightfully um, with with eye searing Technicolor. Um, but even as a filmmaker that, that can work with, with very limited means and can spin out a very um, modest idea into something that goes on for far too long, um, I thought this was really taking the Michael Sado brothers and Adam Swindler. Well, I mean, to be fair, right? I... You know, you want to explore the different flavors. You know what I mean? I, I, and I feel that's what came across. I mean, right. came across with this. You know, I, they could have just skipped over it, but essentially that would have just been a Care Bear movie. And with this, we really explore that that deep facet of you know the flavors and what sh- what makes them stand out. I thought, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel that's what this film did. It re- really looked deep and hard. You know, it put that microscope on each flavor, and it told its story. You, you, you make a good point, Kevin. I, I can't disagree. That so, it's this sort of world of phenomenological. I'm amazed. I managed to say that. Shall I say it again? Phenomenon of phenomena. Um, yeah. So and and you talk and then literally they they I, I didn't 
hadn't fully taken that on board. So the you're talking about these different facets of the flavor, but also if you think about the ice gem, the little twisted peak of, of sugared, uh, whatever, whatever, what is it? What is it made of? Sugared... Uh, I think innocence. Sugared innocence, yeah. That, that it has these many facets that spiral around. So you're right that you can never fix. It can't be fixed. The, the innocent can't be fixed. Um, so yeah, it's, in it's some not ways something it you can tell in, you know, 60 minutes. You know, you no, that, that's true. It's a lifetime, isn't it, really? Yeah. And this goes back to Proust with his Madeleine. 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 Oui, c'est moi. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Do forgive me. These, these things are hardwired. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to check that film out again. But what I might do, because I found it really tedious, that Max Richter soundtrack just went round and round and round and round and round and round with like five notes nicked off Bach. <sighs> Come on, man, do something else. Um, I will, I might do a super edit. I might get, get Uncut Gems and uh, what's the name of the first Iron Maiden album? Run to the Hills, is it? Oh no, that's probably a bit later. Anyway, I'll get the, uh, let's go with Run to the Hills. I'll get the track Run to the Hills, but I made Run to the Hills, Run for Your Lives. And I will digitally stretch that over the three hours and, and 47 minutes. Uh, but in reverse. Oh, 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 with, and get this, oh. right, to reflect this spiraling faceted innocence i'll put a slow phaser on it so it'll be going as the gems turn i think that might work i think i think then and then, then sado brothers and adam swindler are gonna have to step aside like sam mendes should have done all those times mm, i do feel this is getting a little personal though matthew I, 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 that, that's what filmmaking is, Kevin. It's dog eat dog out there. Ah, oh, gee, got me there. The directors bare knuckle fighting on the uh, Great Western Road, on the Great North Road in London. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's yeah, that's what they're doing at this year's. Uh, well, I think this year, I mean, next year's, um, you know, Academy Awards. Yeah, it's it's oh, you know, yeah. In, instead of this whole you know tedious voting system, which doesn't always work, they're um, for film of the year. They're trying something new, right? So they're going to have a ring, and all the directors go, and who who's the last standing wins the award? Bloody hell! Yeah. I've I've got. I might have a chance. I mean, I'm not going to win win otherwise, am I? I mean it. I can. I, I used to go to watch the um, wrestling at the, the Hexagon in Reading. I learned some. I learned some tricks from Giant Haystacks, Big Daddy, and Tom Thumb, and Kendo Nagasaki, and Cat Weasel, and that lot. Can can it be tag team? Could can I invite you know Ben Rivers and Andrew Cotting and um, 
maybe wheeling, you know, Ian Sinclair, get a sort of elite, uh, elite gang of filmmaker writers who use words like uh, psychogeography and um, so on to um, tag together and do that thing where you bounce off the ropes and then go well, I mean, forwards they, with your elbow. They, they haven't said you can't. And as filmmaking, you know, it is a collaborative effort. That's true. I, I, I think there's a loophole there. Right yes. now, you, you've got some directors who are like, "Well, this film is just my vision," and um, that could be their downfall. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have the, you know flexibility is strength, right? Yeah. So okay, that, that's that's cool. I mean, if you want to want to pitch in, I, 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 we need we're going to need at least. Hang on, let me think. One, two, one, two, three, four, five. A minimum of six for a human pyramid, right? I'm, I'm thinking we can make it a bit longer, so before yeah, I might go with nine. Three, two, yeah, nine. I think it's going to be a nine, a niner. We'll get, yeah. get together a British niner, and, uh, and we'll be knocked out. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it'll definitely put the cat among the pigeons, as it were. And of course, we will dress as cats. I think mean, one person needs to be the pigeon, the, the one on top. Uh, no, no, because the pigeon is the um, oh, it's, yes, I know you're right. It's not, it's not loads of cats and one pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm good on films. I'm not good on my um, Greek myths. <laughs> yeah, so we're the pigeons. No, we're the cat. No, hang on. What, how does it work? We're a cat. We're a triangular cat. <laughs> made of nine artist filmmakers and uh, and and Kevin Scott, the podcast guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, Perfect. yes, I mean, might have to disguise that fact. They, you know, they, they might disqualify if they find out. Well, well, people people can't see this, but you have a very um, directorial cap on at this very moment. Very well. Yes. True. Yeah. I am you know, toying with getting into the business. Yeah, I, I've, se I've seen real directors and they have caps like that, mate. I have a chance. I, I, I'm just wearing a, an upturned salad bowl. It was an interesting choice. <laughs> I'm also wearing, which people also can't see, a Sleaford Mods sweatshirt. I'm into the kitchen two two days ago, my flatmate said, "Hey, mate, nice sweatshirt." I went, "Thanks, Sleaford Mods." And he went, "Are you speaking German?" Sleaford <laughs> <laughs> <He put> Mods. <coughs> Bless you. Oh gosh. Okay, so. At number two, we... Oh, God, this is getting serious. Yes. We have got um, Portrait of a Lady. No, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, sorry. 
Sorry for the delay, there was just writing some notes. My notes read two, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, now, I'm, I'm interested to see this up at number two. Uh, yeah, Empire. I mean, they have every, every, every publication has its, its cross to burn and its cross to burn and its cross to bear and its axe to bury and its hammer to nail. Um, yeah, I put this, this puts me in a difficult position because um, uh, my, my ex directed this film. So essentially it's a, a revenge movie um, directed exclusively at yours truly. It, it um, does, because yes, the character Mateus does br get brutally, um, I mean, scorned. Scorched as well. Uh, yeah, 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 it was got pretty rough rough for that character um yeah so we, we kind of uh yeah it's understandable it's un and understandable how uh, that turn happened really yeah well, well thanks thanks for empathy the thing that particularly upset me was that they chose as you mentioned there the 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 version of my name, Mateus, which I know for a fact is is a reference to that that sweet understrength Portuguese wine, Mateus Rosé. It is it's the worst so, of the rosés. It is the worst of the rosés, and, and essentially, she's uh, suggesting that I'm a bottle of Mateus Rosé. It's too much to bear. Because well, she knows not that. just a bottle of, but a court bottle. Oh. I mean, that. Whew. Yeah. I, I mean, I probably deserve it. I mean, I was a complete uh, <sighs> ass. But, um, but for, look, stepping back a little bit into objectivity, um, from one filmmaker to another with 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 this this x um this the symbol the portrait the lady on fire is very powerful but do we need to see it so many times i mean once is enough really at the right point in the movie it reminds me of jan strankmeyer's film of um, alice in wonderland where he he's translate you know adapted the text and every time in the book it very uh, pointedly um, Lewis Carroll uses the refrain said Alice when when Alice speaks and every time this happens in the Anschwankmeyer adaptation there's a little doll's face really close up that goes said Alice and after the 300th time you want to smash the screen <laughs> and um that had a similar effect i was like by by about 25 minutes i was like yeah 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 lady burning whatever call the fire brigade put her out i, I kind of feel though it's an allergy for the pain 
that was caused throughout the relationship. Yeah. So, so you think that the, the repetition is is a sort of an analogy for my brutal, needling humour and um, never-ending chatter. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I feel that's what came across. All right. Well, I'll take that on the chin. In in uh, and I do it for art. Oh yeah. I mean, you know. Seeing that it was released in every country around the world, um, I think that's all you can do, really. Yeah, and then and then me with my puny sound for the future with a failed sci-fi mishmash. I mean, it's all, all power, all power to the X. Yeah, she did win this one for sure, in a big way. Yeah. Hmm. And it, it and it kind of, you know, I, I I feel the ending of the film. It's understandable now, you know, when she when the woman stands up and hails, you know, the 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 future is now silent. I I, I think that was a uh, subliminal. Yeah, well, we're not even subliminal. That's a direct. Um, counter to my film title Sound for the Future. She's saying, no, shut fuck up. Not having any sound now or in the future. Yeah. yeah. She, she really did throw the gauntlet down, as it were. She did. <laughs> oh, well, you know what they say about a woman scorned? Um, a woman scorned is half the bacon of a Truncheon in June? No, it's a woman's scorn will make a very successful film that will trample over your self-esteem. Um, well, then I take credit for it. <laughs> Behind every great scorned female director is a puny failed filmmaker. Male. Ah, uh, yes, the other famous he, him pronouns. <laughs> Indeed. But I feel that leads us nicely into Empire's number one film of twenty twenty. Yeah. Ah, nice. It's Parasite. Uh, I didn't see that one. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Um, I was a bit worried about catching a lurgy off it, so I, I I I steered well clear, mate. But my 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 dad and um, my stepmom, uh, bless them, they uh, that was the, I think this was probably a similar story for quite a lot of people. That was the last film they saw in an actual real cinema before the first lockdown. Mm. Um, and they went, of course, because it had won the Oscar or Oscars multiple um, and um, like similarly friends uh, other other friends who wouldn't normally go to the cinema were, were moved to go to cinema because of the you know it being first is it the first foreign language film to win an Oscar to win best film yeah I mean that in itself is a damn outrageous statistic anyway um, 
yeah, and there were rumblings of, weren't there about it being, oh, it's politically correct decision and everything, but um, which I think is complete bollocks. And even if it is, isn't, it's still nevertheless it needed to happen. Anyway, so there's my little rant. Um, uh, yeah, and as far, so 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 as far as I know, it's about um, a um, a large insect. Um, that has uh, telekinetic powers, um, and it's a, it's one of these sort of fairy tale analogy type type films. So the parasite arrives in a, in a small town in um, outside Seoul in in, in South Korea, and um, of course they immediately assume it's been sent from the north. So that this is this is the DPRK meddling with with the south um partly because the design of the insect in the cgi form is a bit it's a little bit retro so they think oh this is from from the must be from the north um and of course they will assume that it's it's an aggressor so so they set about attacking it and trying to destabilize it but actually it's it's a harbinger of goodwill and peace and that's that's how the, the movie evolves is that you you realize that the parasite is love and they're not not all not all infectious qualities are bad that uh, you know love is can be an infectious quality and it can spread through a nation and so by the end of the film the the dmz the demilitarized zone is is um is uh, slowly, you know, this is a motif through the film. We see the demilitarized zone slowly being eroded and falling apart. And by the end of the film, you have the the the, the one Korea, the great dream of the Korean people. Um, and and that's uh, I picked all of that up from a letter that my my dad sent me um, describing the movie. But I've not seen it myself. I, I feel you pretty much. Yeah, pretty much nailed it. Really. I mean, um, it is definitely touch and go a lot of the times. You feel that, is this going to widen the, you know, the, the, the breach between the nations? But um, yeah, they finally, at the end, they, they come together. And um, yeah, I think there wasn't many dry eyes in the cinema. It was, uh, yeah, very, very powerful. Did, did you enjoy it? No. Oh. I, I kind of feel that, you know. You didn't like having wet eyes? Well, no, it, it's just the thought that, um, you know, love being that dirty little parasite that it is, that, it, you know, it was a good thing. You know, when really the film should have ended with a vaccine being found and love eradicated. You know, I, I feel that would have been the honest portrayal of what would have happened. Wow. You, you, you bring a certain bitterness to this, this uh, critical uh, appraisal. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's right. You know. I, I might not have had a film made about um, my my failings in, in the love department this year, Matthew. But um, you know, not uh, Mateus. <laughs> well, I, 
Yes, a, 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 as you were depicted in, yes, um, in a portrait of a woman you, on fire. <laughs> Your listeners can't see this, but I am actually a little bit rosé at the moment as well. I've got this excitement. <laughs> but yeah, see, you know, it has been a loveless year. So, um, yeah, it's been shit, hasn't it? I'm, what I'm hoping is um, 2021 is going to come and beat the living daylights out of 2020. And, I, I, uh, I, I think 2021 might be a bit undersized. I don't know if it can uh, handle that oh, task. What, what are you waiting to 4040? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, by 40, by, I, I, I don't know, by, but, but you know, by 40, 46. I think the steroids would have kicked in and. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say there's 40, 47, because there's more pointy edges. Hmm. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. So what, what do you think the filmmaking landscapes looks like next year? Ooh, well, I mean, uh, a lot of films got held back. You know what I mean? So right. I mean, there's, there's going to be plenty to come out. It, it might depend on what's happening with the cinemas. You know, I, I, I yeah, I think it depends on what happens with the cinemas, but um, they just need to release the damn films. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think, so like regardless of, they should like kind of do a bit of loss leading and like waver their profits a bit and um, just get the stuff out. So there's movement maybe. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the cinemas kind of, you know, they 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 tower recorded it for the last few years, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it, because they like everyone knew that we were hitting a digital age, right? And people enjoy consuming things slightly differently, right? So. In music, it went from records to, to tapes to CDs to MP3s. And so you could see that a similar thing would happen with other you know, forms of media. Like yeah. Books, you went to e-books and audio books. You know, so why would film just plateau and stay the same? Yeah. So you, you had the opportunity for cinemas to set up. They could have all come together and formed their own streaming network. You know, it, like, so, need, so you wouldn't ha need one house, one studio to do it. Everyone mm. comes together, you, you have this whole thing, and they just share the profit. Share the profit of, of the whole thing, right? And then they could have released films and and made money but they yeah. didn't you know there's a few like curzon they've got their own streaming network right and bfi mm -hmm. have got the bfi player no one else though i i think picture house might have something mm. no one else so it, it's like they're all you know moaning about being in debt and everything like that but it's like you kind of brought it on yourself yeah, it's true there's no, there is no such thing then as like odeon online no 
that's that is amazing you're absolutely right that is incredible because it could have all the same like branding and feel and it could be that weird feel of popcorn crunching underfoot and the bad lighting and the weird soulless gray screening rooms i mean it could be they could like go for it as a sort of well they could tear it uh, you know alienating experience (laughs) the thing is they could they could have been so many different tiers right so you do a certain tier and they send you a snack box each month Mm -hmm. right with popcorn and chocolate and what other whatever bits you you might buy in a cinema you know? yeah they just t- like tear it like that kind of thing but yeah so, just, this is, so at the top tier you've got like um there's three three guys and a girl come around and they sit like several meters behind you and talk all the way through the film yeah and and have their phones flashing and yeah kind of thing. and then <laughs> go like and you, and you turn around and they go what the fuck are you looking at that, that kind of real interaction. Yes. Yeah. They, and you'd call it five five D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> five dollars. <laughs> now in five dollar experience. <laughs> I think you're on to a winner there, Mr. Scott. <laughs> and I just see your business plan on my table. Uh, in 2047, when the numbers are spiky and <laughs> able to defeat 2020. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I find it, I always find it weird when everyone keeps on saying, oh, cinema is dead, cinema is dead. And it's just like, cinema is not going to die. Mm. There's going to the cinema, it's a treat. It's still a thing for people because even though you can now get huge TVs for, you know, a very reasonable price, right? You could, you could mm. own your, you could get a 60 inch TV if you've got the room and depending on what brand you go for, it's not going to set you back anything too crazy, but the sound is still limited. Yeah. You know, so going to the cinema, you get this whatever K kind of screen they've got, you know, HD and whatever, whatever, but the sound, the immersive sound system. And so it's this whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's and, and still is that's the experience. Even if there's no curtains or, yeah, it's experience in its event, even if there's not curtains that open all. I mean, it's also one of the few things where you get to go out to then go like really uh, inward looking, if you like, and vulnerable, like go into this womb experience, like a cinema or theater, that's, that's where you do that. Um, which we, of course we do, we do easily in our living rooms or bedrooms or whatever, because that's, it's home. But so it's like one of the, those are the few places where you go out to have a, like a sort of slightly um, weird combination of vulnerability and comfort cradling but in public with other people that you don't know i mean Mm. that's quite a rare thing and i think the supermarkets are sort of providing that experience at the moment (laughs) in some ways you know i go to 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 the local one or other of the local larger ones and um it's as if people are there like to socialize even though they're not talking just to sort of check each other out and 
Yeah. There's everything else is sharp. So yeah, it's, and it's like it's the only other place that you actually get to see, oh, there are people in the world still. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this amazing, one of the, one of the incredible things I think about the whole mask thing is, is there's a, a little bit weird initially, but very quickly I thought, wow, it makes people's eyes so beautiful. <laughs> and how much community, you know, this communication in the eyes and like trying to work out if someone's smiling or not. And people like, we're revolving, you know. Um, and this, of course, would be is completely ordinary to cultures where there's there's veil wearing and so on. But um, to to us, not used to it. It's new new experience, and it's not all bad. I would say. Right, it is a little odd. Like, well, the, I feel the thing that was really weird with the whole, um, everyone wash your hands. And you're mm. kind of then having people go, all right, so I wash my hands and be like, wait, you didn't wash your hands? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so for all these years, these people aren't washing their goddamn hands. It's just like, what's wrong with you people, <laughs> you dirty sons of bitches? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't need a video and a song to help me wash my hands. It was just baffling. Yeah, there's some there's some anomalies there, Kevin. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, depends depends on your astrological profile. I mean, I've got you know Venus in Virgo, so I'm going to wash my hands every ten minutes. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, I think I think um, OCD is is going to come with a resurgence. <laughs> going they, well, they were a good band, weren't they? <laughs> OCD sound system. <laughs> they did have a. Uh, you know, a sound that was very similar in all of their, you know, <laughs> releases. Yeah. Orchestral canoes in the dark, is it? <laughs> Orchestral canoodles in the dark. There you go. Bring it back to the cinema. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, to, to be frank, I might need to go and climb out of my bedroom window and smoke on the um, top of the roof of the guy that lives downstairs. That's <laughs> <laughs> the true thing I've said in the last 90 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I feel everything else was very truthful. You know? <laughs> in, in a roundabout way. I feel, a bit, I feel as if um, there was a scene to a, kind of, a bit of a women burning matches symbolism with, with Grandad's erections, which I'm kind of, I, I may need to ponder over. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, can never show our faces at Cannes because the directors might not be very happy. But um, <laughs> They wouldn't be there because they would have been duffed up by the, the nine filmmaker triangle with the... <laughs> <laughs> At last, Britain will have proved its supremacy in the filmmaking industry. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I think people people needed this. They 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 
they may have. <laughs> <laughs> we, we shall see. It's either the start of a long and beautiful career that you know reflects back to and goons and oh, I don't know the day to day and all sorts of things, um, or is it one off? <laughs> yes. Well, people, no, it could be something in between. Yes, you get to vote. If you enjoyed the ramblings of this episode, leave a comment, let us know. And if you hated it, just don't say anything. You know, don't, don't say anything. You know, go, 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 go listen to one of the other film podcasts and vent at them. You know. And, and we will, from that, we will understand. We, we, will, we will be able to read it and, and we'll get, oh, oh, they hate Komodo Mayo. Oh, that's, that, that means they don't want another one of these next year. So, um, yes, that's what you need to do, people. Yeah, I, I second that. And third it and the other six members of the triangle lend their voices. Yes. But, uh, you know, next episode... Well, we'll probably be back to normal. So, um, yes. <laughs> tune, tune in next Thursday for some actual film reviews. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Tell me that you're not going to remember my vision of the five bloods the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> the Moomins. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, I'm thinking of ending things, so... Um, <laughs> that involves <laughs> that matches. was at number 16, I believe. <laughs> yeah, and, and that involves matches that are near cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, it was a pleasure, Matthew. I yeah, like, likewise, Kevin. Bye, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time. Yeah, cheerio. <laughs> Okay, people, so we draw to a close on another episode. But before we do, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of films. Okay, so a little, a few months back, right? There was the whole controversy about the reshoots for um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? Ray Fisher, he wasn't happy. You know, he voiced his complaints about the environment on set. You know, he had things to say about Josh Whedon. He had things to say about Schneider. Jeff Jones, John Berg, a whole heap of people. But then everything seemed to die down. There was an investigation. You thought it was all settled. It was not. Right? So DC and Warners, they've just been talking about the future. And that prompted Fisher to um yeah, again voice his uh, dissatisfaction with the company this time going at Hamanda um, you know the big boss you know, Walter Hamanda to most um, and uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. You get the impression that uh, Fisher won't be working for Warners anytime soon. You know? And um, who knows if this will actually get any resolution. You know? It's hard to tell. There's not a lot of others have come out and really talked about it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's an odd one. Definitely an odd one. Alright, so um yeah, Adam and Aaron and Nee are working on a new film with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. It's gonna be called The Lost City of D. It's an action adventurer and it's coming through uh, Paramount Pictures, right? So, um, in the film, Bullock plays a reclusive romance novelist who was sure nothing could be worse than getting stuck on a book tour with her cover model, played by Tatum. A kidnapping attempt sweeps them both into a cutthroat jungle adventure, proving life can be so much stranger than any of her paperback fictions. So, um, yeah, uh, that's gonna, um, you know, be uh, going into the works, I presume, at some point next year. Alright, so, um, I think a little while ago it was announced that Baz Luhrmann was doing an Elvis Presley film at Warner Brothers. So it was about Presley's relationship with, um, you know, the Colonel Tom Parker. Um, and it's just been announced that Kelvin Harrison Jr. will be playing B.B. King in the film. So, um, hey... That could be interesting. Harrelson is a very talented actor. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see on his take. Right? So, um, yeah, basically, the film explores the complex dynamic between Presley and Parker. It will also chronicle Presley's rise to fame to his unprecedented stardom all against the backdrop of the evolving cultural landscape and loss of innocence in America. Hmm. Okay. So, um, interesting, right? A few years back, Robert Rodriguez, he finally was able to make Battle Angel Attila, right? It's the film, actually, it's the other way around, isn't it? It's Attilia Battle Angel. Eh, whatever, you knew what I was talking about. It's a film James Cameron had talked about for years about wanting to make, but with the whole uh, Pandora stuff, he was just tied up. So Rodriguez took over. And although the film made money, people didn't think it made enough. Right, and I think people were torn whether it was good or bad, and so you thought it was done. But Rodriguez has been working with Disney a lot of late. He did an episode of The Mandalorian, he's got another Star Wars project coming. You know, so I think he believes that there is new hope for a sequel to Attilia Battle Angel. You know, and he thinks Disney Plus 
could be the perfect home for it There's no word yet if this will happen But maybe his new relationship with Disney Could, uh, you know, could bring this to light Who knows? We will see So, yes Now, to that DC Warner Brothers news Right, so, um Yeah, with HBO Max and Warner's really struggling to try and get it moving Because it hasn't got the subscribers they would have hoped Right, so, um, yeah, Walter Hamanda, the president of Warner's He's, you know, he's decided to take control Right, so he's going to be overseeing everything And, um, yeah, starting in 2020, they are looking to put out six DC comic-inspired films per year, which does seem a lot, right? Now, the idea is to have four hit the cinemas, you know, and two are made specifically as HBO Max exclusives. So, obviously, the, um, you know, the cinematic ones will have the bigger budgets And the HBO Max ones will have a, you know, smaller scope to them Right? And they're saying that those will potentially be riskier properties Yeah? So, um, yeah, things they think might not uh, get a huge audience at the cinema, but they believe is uh, quality content, right? So, um, yeah, oh, it's crazy, right? They were really seeming to ramp things up, but I wonder if it has, uh, you know, if they're really waiting to see how Suicide Squad goes. Right, because that's their next big one Suicide Squad I think they're rushing through A Wonder Woman 3 And I think Aquaman 2 So Yeah, I guess it depends on numbers For those films You know, to see uh, How they do, but yeah That definitely is the plan You know Yeah, you know As long as it's good content You know, good stories Then, um, you know, who cares But people, that's us We are done Um, Yeah, enjoy your New Year's Eve Have fun, be safe And we will see you again Next Thursday, people And uh